Welcome to episode two of the Serial Killers Kitchen podcast. I am your host, Serial Killer Chris, and today we have a special guest. She's an entrepreneur, a mother, she even sings in the choir, and oh yeah, she's my wife. She's the co-owner of the Serial Killers Kitchen. Welcome to the show, Serial Killer Jess. Hey, Serial Killer Jess and the building. <laughs> That's how we're going to get started? That's exactly how. <laughs> all right, well, let's get right into it. What is your favorite cereal of all time? That is such a hard question. I'm sorry. It used to be easier. It was Fruit Loops a long time ago, and now I feel like it might be Waffle Crisp, or it could be S'mores with a Z, Kellogg's. So Fruit Loops was your actual favorite cereal out of everything? For a while, yeah. The sugar, I, I think, I just like bright colors, <laughs> oddly enough. <laughs> and so Fruit Loops always just kind of got the job done. But it leaves like a weird film on the milk. And now that I'm older, it's just not the same. And they took out the sugar or something. I don't know. So you're going down on record saying that Fruit Loops are better than Cinnamon Toast Crunch. At the time, yes. I don't like all that sugar. You're like a sugar addict. You probably shouldn't say that if we own a cereal bar. But well, that's that's besides the fact. We sell Cheerios. Well, I guess that, that answers the next question. <laughs> what is um, What is your current favorite cereal? My cool. Current favorite. Okay, so don't judge. It's a knockoff brand, and it's French Toast Squares or something. We just got it at the store the other day, and I've been eating it. Like bagged cereal? Yes, it comes in a bag. I mean, all cereal comes in a bag, but at least it needs a box. But you're eating, like, the generic brands now? Go get that bag. It's in a bag. I enjoy the generic cereal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, now tell me a cereal that you think is underrated. Ooh. I would say either peanut butter checks or apple cinnamon checks. Those are definitely interesting because no one but you likes checks. That's a lie. There's plenty of gluten free people out there who appreciate checks as much as I do. They don't miss with the flavors. <laughs> if it says it tastes like apple cinnamon, it does. I feel like Chex is more of a snack, like in trail mix or Chex mix or whatever it's called. But That's because people don't have milk on hiking trails. That's why. So, <laughs> Now, tell me a cereal that you think is overrated. Overrated? Uh, maybe Fruity Pebbles. Whoa, I didn't Sorry. expect that one. Shots fired. They get soggy super fast. So, it's just one flat sugar flavor and that's it. All right, we're going to move on to another uh, section we call This or That, where you're going to choose what cereal is better. Ooh, okay. Cocoa Pebbles or Cocoa Puffs? Cocoa Puffs. Cinnamon Toast Crunch or Fruity Pebbles? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Fruit Loops or Tricks? Fruit Loops. Reese's Puffs or Peanut Butter Crunch? Reese's Puffs. Jolly Rancher cereal or Sour Patch Kids oh, cereal? It's, it's Sour Patch. <laughs> Both are equally... Terrible. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to another question. It has something to do with cereal. It has more to do with our store, the Cereal Killers. What is one item that someone must order when they come into one of the stores? Ooh, a milkshake, of course. I mean, how can you not? It's it's all these colors and flavors and options. You have to get a milkshake. There's just so much you can do with it. All right. Now, let's move on to the serious stuff. 
I didn't, you know, give you any of these questions before because I want the honest, natural reaction. And please do your best. Just uh, be honest. Be real as you can. Okay. Some of these questions are hard. Some of them are pretty easy. But um, we're going to start off with the hard ones first. Ooh, all right. What did you think when I first brought the idea of serial killers up? <laughs> I'm probably thinking back. I was like, wait, so people are just going to come and eat cereal? Like... Okay. <laughs> like, What's not, wrong with that? Not in a bad way. It was just like, all right, do we really think that there's a market big enough for people who just want cereal all day? That was that was probably my first my first thought for sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean that's that's thought that's how you felt. Uh yes. Because it's crazy just trying to explain it to people, especially before we open having to say Hey, we're gonna open a cereal bar. We're gonna sell cereal. Like it sounds crazy, mm-hmm. but you know things things change, and I think a lot of people a lot of people understand now. Yes. Now let's dig deep into your role. What is your role with serial killers? I am the operations overseer <laughs> or the operations manager in a sense. I handle HR and employees and essentially carrying out the wishes that we both have or the things that we both want to see done. You kind of come up with all of the crazy stuff and I just kind of try to implement it as best as I can in our lives. Um, Aside from that, yeah, day to day, whatever is needed. Okay. Now um, you're going to have to dig, you're going to have to think about this one, but how would you describe the overall journey of serial killers so far? So pretty much put everything in your words, like how you think everything, how it started, where we're at, just however you want to, what, what you want to tell the people about your journey so far. It has been a roller coaster built by toddlers. And I know that sounds wild, but just like, it sounds fun, right? No, it sounds absolutely dangerous. So uh, getting into business for yourself in general is scary, You've worked your whole life, you know, for other people. If this wasn't, you know, your dream when you set out in the workforce, so to speak, it can be really scary to leave comfort and tradition and a day-to-day organized life and just take a leap into something that you, you haven't experienced or done anything with. And it has been really eye-opening at every single turn There's a learning experience. There have been so many ups and downs that we just weren't prepared for, didn't see coming, couldn't be prepared for. We've had to really learn on the fly. So it's 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 crazy because there's so many ups at the same time and you can only enjoy them for a brief moment. It feels like sometimes like it just, oh, hey, we're opening another store. Great. But. With that comes so much responsibility and so much work. You can't just open a store and just cut a rope and boom, it's open. You have so much to prepare for in that process. And then when it opens, you have all new challenges for that one location. So it's definitely been a a whole lot of up and down in a really wild way. Oh, what's, what's your favorite part about opening new stores? Ooh, probably setting them up and that, Sounds so boring, but opening new stores is like a a canvas. You get to really create what is going to work best for this location. You have a whole new set of staff members, and this is a whole new group of people. 
every store has its own vibe. Every store has its own culture, so to speak. We implement ourselves in it, but ultimately it's our co, you know, our staff, coworker staff that um, kind of help bring it to life. So it's definitely just seeing how the, the clogs, the ins and outs of it are going to work is probably the, the most fun part. What's been the most difficult part about um, running these stores? Honestly, I'd have to say people. You get into any business, and especially owning a business, you're now in the people business. And I love our customers. I love a lot of staff, the people that we've had come through. But it has been really challenging, especially with COVID and a lot of things that took place after that with employment that having long-term staff at some of these stores has been really difficult. There's a lot of overturn, and it's hard when you start to get to know people, and then you get disappointed by people, or you get people coming in and out, and having to manage your own life and then try to manage other people's lives, is it's been hard, for sure. What do you think causes that, just the constant in and out of employees? This type of industry is just a, a very, it's an overturned industry. You know, ultimately with fast food jobs or food jobs in general, if people don't see some kind of long-term benefit of being there, like we're not the type of business where you're going to come here and work your entire life. We have a lot of younger people. We have a lot of people that are just using the job as a stepping stone to get to their next place, whether that's college or a more long-term career-oriented job. So that's really the issue with the overturn or the idea. I think maybe some people have that it's just going to be just kind of a an easy job or a job where they don't have to do much or it's just a food job, so I don't really have a lot of care for it. Um, I think that's probably been the biggest challenge. But like I said, we've had a lot of great people at the same time as well. How would you compare your work ethic when you were 16, 17, and 18 years old compared to the young young adults now? My, oh, that's hard. I don't want to bash this generation by any means because it's all about you as an individual. There's another 16-year-old who probably has the same drive and work ethic as I do, and I've seen it in some of the kids we've had, but I definitely was a go-getter in terms of work. I stayed late if I needed to. I came in, took extra shifts, took extra hours. I worked as much as I possibly could when I was younger, especially being a teenage mom. I had my daughter at 17, so I went into like full-time work at 18 years old. So work I am no stranger to. Well, with everybody, you know, talking about they need more money, they deserve more money. Do you think us paying more money will get us better employees, our harder workers? Or do you think that's just the cool thing to do right now in the industry is everybody, everybody, I believe everybody deserves more than they're getting. And you're never going to get what you feel you're valued at. But you also have to have certain skills to justify getting paid those dollars a lot of times, like for me, like I just wanted a, hey, good job. Like you're doing great. You're you're X, Y, Z. You're the best or whatever it is. But like, do you think money is going to solve these problems with all the, with all these businesses that are short staffed? I think for some of them, yes. Paying more oh, grants you the opportunity or affords you the opportunity to have 
maybe some older employees or some older workers who are a little bit more serious about making money because they have families to take care of, they have bills to pay, and more money ultimately for them is um, is definitely what their target is, is making more to take care of themselves. Some of the younger employees don't necessarily have as many responsibilities, but I believe that because the pay amount is higher or increasing or it's out there, some of them are looking at it like, oh, great, well, I'm definitely applying for the $17 an hour job, the $20 an hour job, but they don't have any experience or they're actually not coming in to take it seriously. So you have some of them that are signing up to do the work, but they don't actually want to work. But a high paying job is definitely, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I wish I could, sorry, my brain just lost it. It's, not valuable, I don't want to say. It's appealing, you know, you know, whatever the word is for that. Um, but I definitely think it just, it all comes back to just depends on the person. I want to see people get paid more, but your attitude and what you bring to the table has to match that at the same time. There's some people who just do these jobs because they don't really want to work that hard. But food service is extremely difficult, especially when it's busy. Definitely. And I think, like, um, of course, I think there's not really a business owner, especially a small business owner, that doesn't want to pay their employees and their employees more. But I don't think what people understand, you know, they're, hey, we should, you know, they should pay, they have enough money to pay X, Y, Z. We're going to have to go up on our prices, and I think, like, that's a big thing that, like, with all, like, I understand, like, McDonald's, you know, bigger businesses, they can afford to pay, you know, these higher salaries starting out because they have so much profit. But I think a lot of small businesses are getting the grunt of people's anger and stuff when they raise the price a dollar. They're just trying to pay, their, they're just trying to, you know, maybe make some money for themselves or also pay their employees a little bit more. So it's going to have to find that balance because, you know, honestly, I think paying $15 an hour for somebody just to take an order. I think that that's a bit much because like really what skills does that really take, which I know it does take some skills, but if that's the standard for, you know, $15 an hour, then everybody else has to go up. So, and now with, you know, everybody that's making, you know, they got their $15 an hour or whatever, inflation has risen so fast, it really doesn't matter. They just make more money, but they still can't afford the things that they thought they'd be able to afford. So I think that we have to, they have to do something. Like, uh, yes, everybody deserves to make more money because I always felt like that, but I think I I needed to put myself in position to get a better position or to a better job. You know, I think a lot of people are entitled nowadays, and it sucks to think that way, but, you know, I went from working for the government to owning my own business and just seeing kind of how people, how they react to certain things and how, they don't really hold themselves accountable. They more focus on the outside. But let's let's get on to something else. Let's talk about the first store we opened um, at the Galleria Mall, which, you know, I think that was probably one of the best and the worst times in our journey starting out. So what was what was something that you actually like loved or enjoyed from that part, from that uh, part of our journey? Ooh, the Galleria Mall. I think I enjoyed just the newness of it all. 
it was really the expectation and just seeing what was going to happen and what would be next and what changes this meant for our lives. At the time, we were pregnant with our son and the idea that I actually could be at home with my child as he was first born was really, really just an amazing thought that I didn't have to worry about maternity leave. I didn't have to worry about the time off that we would have to take for that, that whole, that whole journey, that whole experience. How many days did you get off? I got after he was born. Yes. What a couple weeks. <laughs> it wasn't that long. Um, but it's not like I had a lot of, hard, hard work to do going back. It was really just going in to check on the store to see how things were going. But COVID happened not too long after, so we ended up being home with him for a little while longer anyway. But yeah, I think that was the the greatest thing was really just in a weird way feeling the freedom for the first time, having our own business where it was really just okay, this is, this is us, this is ours, even though I think we worked every single day for a month straight when we first opened that store. So opening your own business, you do think that you're getting freedom, but at the same time, that schedule kind of gets made by the business for you sometimes. Would you call that store a failure? Ooh. Uh, that's tough. It depends on how you look at it. We shut it down. So technically, yes. But the best thing that came out of it really was that it gave us the exposure we needed to move forward. It put our concept out there. It put our name out there. It gave us the wiggle room to grow. And so with that, I would call it a success. And why do you think that store failed or had some failures associated with it? Honestly, unfortunately, the the contractors and the issues that we faced up front put us in the hole before we really could even take off and get started there. The location honestly wasn't great in terms of foot traffic, but had we have been given uh, a more, you know, a fairer shot in that sense, had we have been given a better price for rent, had we been given a better situation to start with, I think that we could have kept that store because we wouldn't have had so much debt from the beginning. Like that store wasn't making a ton of money, but it could have sustained itself um, had we been given a better opportunity. Yeah, so once we decided to move to our new location, what do you think changed? In terms of it growing or becoming more successful? I think the area... Of course, we had a more of a buzz at that time. People were a little bit more familiar with us. I think the location we were at was kind of far away from everyone in the city. <laughs> so it's crazy in Vegas, like Henderson, you would think is a completely different state <laughs> for some <laughs> people. It's like, I'm not driving all the way out there. You know, when you live in Las Vegas or North Las Vegas or Summerlin or wherever, um, it feels like it's so far away. And so... Um, I definitely think the change of location helped and the demographic in the area helped as well because we went from being in a big mall to being in a neighborhood. And that was the greatest thing to see how many people came out to support us when we first opened in that area. Okay. So uh, moving on. So even though, even though 
does the episode didn't air during those times the transition from the store in Henderson to the store in Centennial we shot Shark Tank oh mm -hmm. everybody wants to know why were you crying was it wait when was I crying <laughs> did they air me crying yeah at the end I don't think they aired me crying did they <laughs> well if you guys didn't know she cried like a baby I right did. on the way on the I way I feel like out. you're snitching like <laughs> that wasn't I, on TV it was it wasn't I had to get that but how would you um how would you talk about like your Shark Tank experience it was very much hopeful we were going through so much at the time because the store was falling apart, it was failing, we were in debt. It was really just like, this could really be our shot to get out from under this. It was a lot to carry around, especially with just having our child. This was our first business venture uh, together. And I was no longer at my full-time job. So it, it really just felt like, okay, we're running out of money. We're running out of time. Um, if this is going to fail, what's next? And so Shark Tank gave me a glimmer of hope because I felt like, wow, this is going to be great. And I'm, I usually try to be an optimist. I'm a realist, but I'm also very optimistic. And when I do put some faith behind something, I expect to see great things as a result and I really had so much just hope in the idea that we were going to get this deal we were going to get this money and everything was just going to blow up overnight like some kind of movie like we were going to get the deal and then we wake up the next day and we'd have a million orders on the website and we would just have people coming in nonstop, and it was just going to turn everything around and so hearing that, no, <laughs> not getting a deal. Not just one, no. It's, not just I'm out. one. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. I'm um, out because of this lie. I mean, we're not going to get into that one. You but. know, I'm out, um, and I think you should just shut it down. I'm out, and you guys just need to let this go. That didn't feel good, and it was the weight of all of the disappointment of things not going how we wanted crashing down on me all at one in one moment is what it really felt like now let's play a hypothetical game what shark would you have wanted got to deal with um probably either mark or barb barb seems like she really in is invested or, or cares about the um the businesses that she chooses to work with barb seems like she's definitely serious about um the people that she gets involved with, Mark is just Mark, you know, like he's a businessman. So I definitely would have taken um, an opportunity to learn from him as well. And Damon seemed really cool, but from what he said, it didn't really seem like he had that much experience in restaurants. So I wasn't really sure how beneficial he would have been to us. And in hindsight, do you think, let's just say we did get a deal. Do you think that would have been the best thing for us at that time? That's tough. Honestly, I don't know if it would have been only because we would have had to have given up um, whatever percent. I can't even remember. Did we offer 20 percent? You know, something like, like that. 10 or 15, 10 or 15. But they would have probably wanted 40. Right. They probably eventually would have wanted more. They probably would have gotten us. I don't know if it would have helped or hindered the situation at the, at the first location. I really don't know if it would have been better if we would have, would they have had to stay there? Would they have 
ended up chopping up the company and immediately going into mass, you know, franchises or something like that. I don't know if we would have gotten the opportunity to learn as much as we have or venture out into as much as we have on our own. And once the show finally aired uh, later on that year, how do you think that exposure helped? I think it helped a little. I don't think we saw like an overnight boost of people just randomly coming in. If anything, we just got inundated with emails. <laughs> we got a lot of, oh, I saw you guys. Oh, you guys should open up a food truck. It was just a lot of ideas getting thrown at us. But we got a lot of support, too. There were a lot of people who just reached out to say, oh, you know, I love the business. I want to support. I'll be happy to come by when I come to Vegas. It was a lot of love. I don't really think there were too many negative aspects of it. There weren't, you know, there's still sometimes people who come by and go, oh, saw you guys on Shark Tank. And so it's great. Um, but I don't think it was like some overnight success type of situation for us. Yeah, that's I think a lot of people think that because we were on Shark Tank and, you know, that exposure, like it really changed, changed our, you know, changed our lives which I think it did because it opened up other opportunities and other doors. Mm -hmm. But I think our business isn't structured for Shark Tank to, to succeed that fast because we don't have an online store selling a product that's going to help change their lives. Right. We had T-shirts and hats and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, that's good. So um, what do you think has been the biggest change for our business? What has helped us grow a lot faster or reach a lot more people? Social media, social, social media. And I think that you touched on it on the first episode or you did touch on it that TikTok, Instagram, that is honestly social media. <laughs> it, it's the it's the new marketing um, tool for all businesses, for, you know, influencers, for everybody. Kids have social media. Um, you have people making all types of money off of it all types of pages all types of it's a great platform and one viral video will send you into a tail it's crazy you know just wild what happens yeah i remember when we had our first kind of viral video the employees were like they were so upset and they were so mad at us because it was just it was so <laughs> overwhelming <laughs> and it was like okay we'll we'll get you some help we'll bring another person in and when I tell you there was people lined out the door before we even opened, it was like grand opening every day. So, yeah, social media can change it just in an in instance. Why do you think we're so relatable on social media? I think it goes back to our business and the culture and what it means in the first place. The, the nostalgia of cereal and waking up in the morning and getting that bowl and your cartoons and we definitely present um, a fun vibe, um, one that feels good. Who doesn't love cereal, <laughs> you know? And so you have these bright colors and these these fun food items, and it looks appealing, and it just looks like a good time. And why would you not want to be interested in that? It's, it's not something that you see all of the time. And I think it just it catches people in the moment and it makes you want to know a little bit more or experience it for yourself. And I know as business owners, we wear a lot of hats. You know, I have to do the maintenance, all that other kind of crazy stuff in the social media. But do you think it's beneficial for other business owners to 
pretty much contract out their social media uh, responsibilities, their posts and their pictures, or should they keep it on house and control it? Like, do you think that's what helps us? The fact that we don't have like a PR firm or an influencer running our social media? No one knows your business better than you do. And I think it's definitely beneficial for you to have it in your hands. You've done a great job um, putting out content and essentially, you know, the ins and outs of everything. So, you know, what sells the most in your store. So shooting that is easier for you than having to send over a spreadsheet or a list of, of things to um, someone else that's handling your marketing for you or your PR for you. I think that pe- those people can be beneficial for sure. If you don't feel like you're that type of creative, if it's difficult for you to come up with ideas or concepts, then absolutely hand it over to somebody else. Get the help that you need. Everybody isn't meant to do everything. And I think that it's been great for you because you've discovered something that you're passionate about. And so for people who feel like they have that same type of um, skill and can bring that to the table, then you should control your own. You definitely need to have a handle on who you're handing it over to for sure because we have seen so many instances where people put out the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, you go mess around and get canceled because <laughs> you you allowed somebody to to say the wrong thing or put the wrong thing out about your business. It's 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 yours. It's your baby in a sense. So, it could be beneficial either way, but it just depends on who you are as a person. Definitely. Now, these questions are going to be more general when it comes to business. It doesn't necessarily have to do with serial killers, but just trying to help other entrepreneurs out there that might be going through the same thing or seeing some of the same issues. So here's the question. What is the most difficult part about being a business owner? For me, it's the um, the unexpected. It's really that you don't have a great deal of control. Sometimes you kind of have to just fly by the seat of your pants, which I don't like at all. I am very much a person who prefers to be organized, prefers to have a plan, a schedule and having all of that shifted and thrown off can be very frustrating for me internally. Um, you can plan as much as you want, but with this, there's just, there's just too much. You can't control a pipe burst, a toilet gets broken or flooded. Um, a machine gets broken. Somebody calls out, somebody gets sick and everything changes in an instant in a day. I don't care what you're doing. You have to drop it all and go fix it or go take care of it or go handle the situation. Everything falls on your shoulders, especially when you're a small business all right. And how do you balance your personal life and your business life? I don't. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't. <laughs> I wish I wish I had a better answer. I am really still trying to find the balance because, like I said, the unexpected is constantly thrown at you. So our when we have to get up and go, our kids have to get up and go. Um, so it's really something that I'm striving to do better at. I have started For myself personally, I try not to do anything business related on the weekends. If I can help it, if it's something, email, a payment that needs to get done, anything work related, I try to keep Monday through Friday. Anything anybody's randomly asking me for, I try to, I've just recently started that actually. 
where I will get to it on Monday or I'll get to it during the week. But I try to give myself Saturday and Sunday to be for the family or myself. Mostly yourself. Mostly myself. (laughs) Self-care. Hashtag. (laughs) All right, now uh, let's get in, you know, let's let's lighten the mood a little bit. What is your favorite part about being a business owner? As much as I say people are a challenge, I think that helping people is probably my favorite part in terms of giving opportunities. This business for us is different because we're black. And that sounds very on the nose, but as Black people, there are few black business owners in this country. And we have a responsibility, I think, to create a space that we would feel comfortable in and that everyone should feel comfortable in. And I don't necessarily just target black people like I'm only uplifting us. I mean, I want anyone to come into meeting us and walk away feeling like, oh, they're actually really good people. That's awesome. And that's what I strive for at this point. Even when I get upset or frustrated, when I have crazy employee stuff happening, I definitely enjoy the fact that we're making a way for somebody else. You know, we spoke earlier about, you know, the pay conversation, but honestly, helping a kid put on their resume, I... You know, I did inventory as a skill. I did this as a skill. Having a teenager come through the door and learn from us or be able to take something from us, having the relationships we built with some of these kids is is amazing. And so I really look at being able to help others and provide for others, not just with the job, but what they take with them from the experience when they leave, what us doing now can mean for someone else five to 10 years from now, especially as we grow the business, as we grow more job opportunities, as we grow other opportunities and different interests that we have in different areas, whether it be philanthropy, whether it be starting up whatever nonprofits or anything of that nature, I just can't wait to delve into more people work. And you spoke on, you know, being pretty much African-American and owning a business. Do you feel any extra pressure being one of the only African-American-owned businesses on the Strip? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Yes, because I feel like we put the pressure on ourselves the second we get a bad review because, oh, this person had an attitude or this, I didn't feel like I had great customer service. You start to take it a little personally because that's somehow the expectation placed on African-American businesses. You know that... um, You're going to get bad customer service. It's going to look a certain way. You're going to be treated a certain way. The product won't be a certain thing. And so I don't show up every day to dispel the the stigmas. I show up to do my best that I possibly can as a person. And I hope that it reflects well on the fact that we just so happen to be African-American. But I try not to carry too much of that weight on me. Um, because if you did have a bad customer experience, unfortunately, maybe that employee just had a bad day, but it's not because they were African-American or because they were African-American owned. It just happens to be maybe that employee just had a bad day or maybe that just is a bad employee and they need to go (laughs) or, you know, um, but I try not to really carry that on me. I'm proud to be that. I'm proud to uh, inspire others if it 
if it does that for other African-American entrepreneurs who are aspiring to be business owners, I really hope we do be, you know, we are as successful as possible, but I don't really, I don't really feel pressured by it. Definitely. And I wasn't going to speak on it, but you brought it up. How do you feel about Yelp and Google reviews? Because I, I personally have a love-hate relationship with them because anybody can go on there. They don't technically ever even have to step foot in the store. Like when we went on Shark Tank, we got a bunch of reviews from people. Oh, they're such a great concept. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I appreciate it because it boosted our score. But you've never been inside of our store. And then I I think that people only run to those sites when they're angry. I think that social media and the internet has created a comfortable space for bullies and it's created a comfortable space for hateful people. Unfortunately, when I go to some of those review sites, I use them myself when I'm looking up a restaurant. Most of the time I'm going to the reviews, but I don't look at just the bad ones. I look up what are the most recent ones to see what's been going on lately. And I'm really just looking for, is it clean? Do they have any people saying I've been sick? The employee stuff, I don't really pay that much attention to. But if it's, oh, the owner had a terrible attitude, if you're seeing that kind of stuff, eh, it just, it depends. I try to read the the context or I try to get a feeling of what a person is writing because you can tell a lot about people sometimes by the way that they write. And sometimes you see when somebody is just being extra for no reason or someone is being disgruntled for no reason and you just kind of have to make your best case scenario or, or decision based off of that. So when it comes to our business, I think I used to get in my feelings sometimes when I would read some of that stuff, especially when it was a situation I may have witnessed or been around for. And I'm like, this is a flat out lie. Like it makes you so angry that people would really go out of their way to be nasty. And so you really just kind of have to shake it off. Now, I don't let so much of it um, get to me, but you know, it kind of gave me anxiety at one point, like when I would have a email with a Google review pop up and I'm like, cause it doesn't tell you right away if it's a five star or one star. Sometimes you have to open the email to see. And so when it's a five star, I'm like, Oh, great relief. If it's a one star, I'm just like, Oh, okay. What is, what is this? What happened? <laughs> and I have to try to read through and you can't ignore them because sometimes they may be valid and that's an issue that you need to address or a concern you need to figure out what is happening or what happened and you do have to take care of it you can't just avoid bad reviews um you do have to look into them because maybe there is a problem but just don't allow it to control you so much i'd have to say and what i've noticed a lot of i would say the mistakes are the reasons for people wanting to go and have angry reviews it could have been situated if they just communicated with mm -hmm. the staff or you know with the managers i don't know why what gives you that right to, oh, let me run to a one star because, okay, my milkshake was a little bit runny or my milkshake was too thick. Like it's a hard, it's hard to please everybody, you know? And um, I don't, I'm not sure if I touched on it last episode. We had somebody leave a review that said it wasn't, the store needed more music or to be louder or something like that, to have like a better, a better vibe. Then like the next day we had a review that says it was too loud. The TVs were too loud. I couldn't hear myself. I say all that to say like it's hard to please everybody. Now this is going to be, I would say, the second hardest question. And you don't necessarily have to um, answer directed towards our relationship, but just pretty much in general. 
and it's going to be what is it like working with your husband should spouses be in business together and you can tell the truth (laughs) (laughs) like i'm not going to take it personal but do you think it's healthy like you know we're kind of we're too late we're three years in right and um, (laughs) let's just say like we, we we sell off serial killers we're out of the business and we have more ideas do you think it's better that spouses kind of do their own thing I think that it again I always have to say it just depends on the person or it depends on the people it can be extremely difficult at times because we are together all day so sometimes it makes it hard um to want to spend time together because it's like I kind of need my own space. So sometimes we'll get home and, you know, I'll go in the room or you'll go in the living room to watch whatever show or I'll go read or watch whatever show just so we kind of have our own personal space and then reconnect. But things like that are difficult because it it's like the time we spend together is working. So it's still like we have to still find time to together to actually spend just together like dating or shopping when we go shopping for the store um so i think that couples should definitely figure out that that work-life balance um but you really have to try hard um to separate the two as much as you can when you can um i also think that it helps to really designate roles so like you said you handle the maintenance and you know you do the social media and you do you know so many other things and then I do these other things and so it helps to define those roles um, so that there isn't finger pointing or you didn't do this or you didn't do that or I thought you did this or you know and so you really have to figure out who does what best um, in terms of the work relationship And, you know, really get into those roles (laughs) and stick to them as best as you can. Because I don't think we ever really sat down and said, okay, I'm going to do one, two, three. It was just kind of like, okay, you start doing that. Uh I start doing this. And this is kind of what you're good at. Um, So, yeah, I think it just kind of it it pretty much makes you it puts you in the role that you need to be in for the most part. Right. You'll find it eventually. And then communication is key. You have to be able to to talk to each other. Um, and feel like you have a, a safe space in one another. Um, that's also the difficult part is being open when you, you feel a certain type of way about whatever's going on in the business and whatever's going on personally and not having those overlap. If I'm mad at you about, you know, not helping with the dishes or whatever, is that going to bleed over into the work. If I'm mad at you about something work related, is that going to bleed over into, you know, our at home relationship? So definitely being open in terms of communication. Well, I think it's clear that I'm not going to do dishes at home or at work. So just, yeah, let's not even worry about that. (laughs) Now let's move on a little bit to our expansion. You know, we uh, announced last week that we do have two new stores getting ready to open and they're both out of state and we're managing and operating both of these stores out of state Mm -hmm. and we already touched on the balance so how is this going to work uh what store are you more excited to open i am more excited to open in merlin merlin however (laughs) because i'm trying to get to seafood that's all that matters to me (laughs) travel to another state to open a store so you can eat other foods 
Yes, I'm trying to get these crab legs, these crabs popping. That is my no, <laughs> but low key, yes. Like, is that location around the water? I don't even know. It doesn't matter. It's got to be close, but <laughs> probably that one. I just like the East Coast. Um, so I'm more, I guess I'm more excited about that one. And again, it, it when I said, you know, the unexpected, you kind of just don't know what you're in for. So we really won't know what needs to happen until we start doing it, unfortunately. Like, I think it's at least good that like, you know, some of our investors and our legal counsel lives in Maryland. So nice. <laughs> we have a little, you know, somebody we can kind of talk to down there, but yeah, we're pretty much going into both of these stores with blindfolds on because we have no real ties to the community. It was just an opportunity that pretty much it would have it would have been stupid to pass up. There's not really much risk for us opening these locations. So it was just let's let's see what happens. Let's just jump head first like we do everything else. You know, and the most we can do is prepare, obviously, going in with a plan of how many employees we're thinking we're going to need and all those types of things. But you really just, yeah, you just got to see when you get there. And I think that's definitely the easiest, not the easiest part, but one of the best things is that we've learned so much. If you can think about how the opening went at Centennial, when how crazy that day was, you know, a three or four hour wait for some people to get in. And now like, like, how good we did that first day. Like we do that on a daily basis at the strip store and there's not a panic. There's not a rush. It's just like, it's just business as usual. So I think we can handle these crowds and these lines and our process. You know, we've, we've made things a lot better, you know, going forward. So it shouldn't be as hard, but it's still going to have a lot of, a lot of new difficulties because when things go wrong, we're not, you know, 20, 30 minutes away. We're, hours and hours away so we're gonna have to put trust and really like in our managers and in our training and stuff like that so that's what I'm not looking forward to because I'm one of those people who want to do everything themselves and that is a toxic trait that I have but you know at least we've kind of learned because I remember like I was we were scared to not have one of us at the store for, Mm -hmm. for months for the first like five or six months we were always there at least one of us so you know, I'm glad things have changed and we've, you know, we, we can only control what we can control. We're not going to be able to expand if we don't, you know, have trust. And also, you know, don't just be stupid because we're going to understand that some things are going to happen that is out of our control. Just hope to limit those liabilities. And still staying on the subject of expansion, what are, let's just say, three to five dream locations for you to open up a serial killers? Ooh, I California is definitely one somewhere out there. Um, let's see, maybe Hawaii. Oh, you want six, seven-hour flights now? Yes, of course. Let's see, California, Hawaii, New York, for sure. I think probably all those big, you know, big city places. Texas, just because it's booming out there right now. And Atlanta in Georgia. I have family there, so that's a good one. Oh, Myrtle Beach, because I have my grandmother's there. So let's go there, too. No, Miami. Uh, it's huge. But okay, Miami, y'all can okay, have some ice cream. You. Turn up, turn up. <laughs> All right. Um, back on to the serial killers. Where do you see us in five years? Ooh. 
five years, I would say we'll more than likely be all over the nation. I, I would think in five years. Absolutely. I don't know how much day to day we will be involved in five years, but I would definitely like to see stores everywhere. Definitely. And what do you think about the idea that I came up with for the new drive through style of stores? I think it's interesting. <laughs> I always, um, I wouldn't say I'm skeptical whenever you bring something new to me. But like I said, I'm an optimist, but I'm also a realist. And so as much as I try to be supportive, I also ask a lot of questions because I, I like I said, I'm very organized in a sense. I like to have a plan. I want to see it in my head. And sometimes I have to see it in front of me before it makes sense. And so I think it's a good idea. Honestly, I think it's a great idea because we've just seen a lot of businesses, a lot of places are transferring over to drive through only. And with what we're doing and what we make, it will be really beneficial for some of those families who don't want to get out of the car and don't want to stop for somebody who just the regulars we have who come in and order their same milkshake every week. Um, I think it's going to be great for them once we have like that constant customer, because right now with the storefronts or with the, you know, the big store locations where you can go in and experience it, you're experiencing it like one time when you come in, it's, you know, you get used to it if you're there every week or all the time. And so now with these quick one-stop little areas, you can come in get your treat and go on about your business. And I think that's going to be a great thing for some people. But like I said, I be I ask a lot of questions. So I'm like, um, how is this going to work? And what is it going to look like in the inside? And are we going to be able to um, meet a certain time and get this stuff done and out to people quickly? <laughs> like, and the way I justify it is, when was the last time you walked inside of a Starbucks? Does it count if I go to like Starbucks? If they the have ones a drive inside a grocery store? That doesn't count. When was the last time you were like, ooh, let me go to Starbucks? And parked your car, got out of your car, and walked in to order your drink. Not often. It's only if I happen to be, like, on a road trip or something. Has has it been in the last year? In the last I don't know. That's tough. I barely remember yesterday. <laughs> mm, maybe not. Yeah. I don't think so. I think that's just the way things are going. They want convenience. And, you know, that's why I think Dutch Bros, besides that they're a cult, that's why I think <laughs> they're, like, they're they're booming. And, you know, for us to possibly be one of the first major ice cream players in that drive through only type game. I think it's a good opportunity for us going forward. All right. So we're close to, the, we're close to closing just Ooh. like, you know, the pastors, they're going to be closing ah. for about 10 minutes. So mm -hmm. in closing, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's pretty much just up to you, what you want to speak on, what you want to share, just any advice for upper up and coming entrepreneurs, anything you want to share with them. Okay, it's not as easy as it looks. It's not as easy as you think it is. You're not going to be rich. You're not going to be rich overnight. And I don't say that to discourage anyone. I say that to prepare you for, don't have low expectations by any means, but be realistic in your goals. Um, it hurts your feelings when you don't meet them, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. If you have a t-shirt business and everyone says that they love it and then you go and launch your website and you don't sell a million shirts in the first day, like don't consider yourself to be a failure. 
at all by any means. Some of these things are going to take time. They're going to take a lot of hard work. Do not think like me because most certainly I thought I was about to be a real housewife in North Las Vegas. I was going to come in and drop off some ice cream every now and again and go on about my day with my children. And that is not what happened. It still doesn't happen. Um, after three years, there are still some days where, hey, things go bad with some employees and we are there working. I think maybe a month or so ago we had to work eight days straight. Um, that just, it, it happens like that. So be prepared to have to handle everything. When you work for someone else, that foundation is already laid. I have honestly a newfound respect for, um, obviously, you know, for, for business owners and, you know, people who run their own companies or run companies in general, because all those hats are yours until you get to a comfortable place or space where you can start um, handing out those responsibilities, delegating, finding people to fit those roles. It's all on you. It's all on your shoulders and you're responsible for yourself, your family, whoever you're taking care of providing for. You're responsible for your staff, your employees. If it's just you and you're a one man show, you're responsible for you. Okay. But you are doing all of the work. It's, it's not easy. Um, there are definitely times where you're going to have to pep talk yourself through it. If you have faith, pray, <laughs> please. Um, you know, if that's your beliefs, definitely find an outlet for yourself, find some peace for yourself, find a way to have some balance. Like I said, it's still something I'm working on, but you have to keep trying because you don't want to let it consume you either. And you don't want to be in a position where you hate it. You know, that's a lot of the reason a lot of us got away from working for someone else because we hated working for someone else. You don't want to end up hating working for yourself or hating the job that you chose. Um, so definitely make sure that what you choose, you are enjoying. You got to find a way to to really enjoy things. You got to have a way to have a positive outlook on it all. And just don't give up just because it's not going exactly how you want it to go right away. Just don't give up. Just keep on going because where we are today is far from where we were three years ago. Um, we've seen so much success, even though it's been a roller coaster, even though there have been downs, there have been a lot of highs. And, you know, it's always that thing where they say that thing that you prayed for, look up because you're standing in it right now. And so just don't, you know, don't let yourself get beat up by any of the losses. Just keep on moving forward because every day that you're doing it for yourself is what you said you wanted to be doing. Just don't forget that. Thank you. And that's our show. We appreciate you for coming on. Not that you really had a choice, uh, <laughs> but happy you got to tell some of your side of the story because everybody thinks my side is the right side. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but thank you. And uh, thank you guys all for listening. And we'll see you guys next week on the Serial Killers podcast.